0: Art of the Cut is brought to you by FilmTools.com, your one-stop shop for production and post-production gear. Be sure to listen for an exclusive site-wide offer later in the show. Hello, and welcome to the Art of the Cut podcast. I'm Steve Hulfish. I'm a feature film editor and discuss the art and craft of film editing with my colleagues in film and TV. Today, we're talking with Melissa McCoy and AJ Cataline, editors of one of my favorite shows, Ted Lasso on Apple Plus. AJ's other work includes Brockmire, The Great Escape TV series, Breaking Point, La La Land, the TV series, Charm School with Ricky Lake, and dozens of comedy and music specials. Melissa McCoy cut the pilot of Ted Lasso and has edited Whiskey Cavalier and is assisted on Grace and Frankie, I Love Dick, and CSI. What was the schedule like?
1: <laughs> <laughs> now the schedule. which went on forever. Mel Mel warned me, this is my first Bill Lawrence show. And I was like, leave a little extra time because, you
2: know. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is my fifth show with Bill. And like, you're not going to make your end date. So don't book a show. (laughs) If you want to finish off this show, don't book one right when they tell you you're going to be done. They shot everything. They were in London. Bill was in London for a bit. And we kind of got everything and we're just our own little island for a while which was kind of great we had a lot of shows built up by the time they all came back and then jason went and shot a movie mm. i mean he did it was like an indie so it wasn't that long. it was a month right he was yeah it was month. a month in, and and yeah, so we yeah. yeah so we spent that time i think with bill like getting the shows down in time because they were very long like what the cut of four was like 48 minutes or something. Mm, yeah, longest. <laughs> like I know for a while they were like, let's get these shows to the 28 minutes, which felt really ambitious for everything we were trying to do in these episodes. And then I don't think we hit a 28 minute Mark. And that was, yeah, Jason was basically like, I want it to be what it's going to be, which I really mm-hmm. thought was a great, mm-hmm. uh, like a great freedom going into it. Cause sometimes you have to like cut things. You're like, ah, oh, but that's funny. I really would like to keep that. And and we were able to have the luxury, Apple was like, okay, to like keep, keep some of our babies. We built up a lot of episodes and then when everybody got back, we kind of started going. So we, we ran pretty long. We were, I started on the pilot in August and we wrapped yeah. out in June for 10 episodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, a, that was the longest so series we, of TV I've had. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And th- another lucky thing about having that as well was, we knew where the show went. So we were like, okay, well, in episode nine, we're going to have this, and we could tweak something in one. We weren't like, oh, we missed the boat. We could have done that in episode one. Like, we had everything kind of, and we could pop around to anything. Like, nothing was really locked where we couldn't change things. Even up until the last second, actually, we were changing things, the effects and different, like, tweaking, so... We, we had a luxurious schedule, which was... Yeah.
1: And then, of course, the pandemic extended everybody. We had to move to home, and then that slowed things down a bit uh, because you, know, you can't keep the same schedule that you're doing you know, at the Warner Brothers lot that you're now doing in your, your home office or your living room or whatever. The interesting little tidbit of this show, for those who haven't noticed yet, is the very first shot of episode one is the same as the last shot of episode 10 uh, in terms of framing. Uh, and, uh, that was Jason did that by design, like by two perfect bookends. So we were able to, you know, when I was cutting 10, I was able to go back to one and check and make sure that it it matched and it's a match frame. That was a nice hidden Easter egg.
0: That's awesome. I was going to ask about delivering the shows either one at a time or as a group, because that does make a difference in your ability to broadcast something or give a hint at something or, Oh, this is there's a bunch of things just like in any TV show where you know something happens in episode 3 and that's going to pay off in episode 7 and so it's really cool to be able to actually watch and have edited at episode 7 and go back to 3 and go oh you know it would be much better if we did this on a medium instead of a close up or whatever it is right
2: yeah, and we did that yeah. a lot between each other, too. I would say to AJ, like, hey, this bit is cut out of three, yeah. and I think you have a reference of it in four, FYI. And like, I and then I would be like, I'll let you know if it comes back. Like, I really tried to... <laughs> it's
1: in, in a, it's out. And, and, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, really my heard, episodes are rippling based on what Mel's doing.
2: Yeah, yeah and, and vice versa. So I was really good about... I was really like, I have to watch what AJ's doing to know for me and vice versa, because... Sometimes even the littlest things can fall through the cracks, like, "Oh like this little beat of beard in the chess girl, right That comes up a few times, and sometimes that was in, and sometimes that was out, and so that made a our difference.
1: bar our bar kids, uh, the sort of the Greek chorus of the Paul and Baus kids in the bar are always like commenting, yeah, sometimes that said, Mel, they, they come in in your episode or not, because that it affected how they appear in two. And, yeah.
2: It was kind of fun in that way. I've never worked on anything that was so entwined between episodes, which was kind of fun, actually. It made it more like a family. <laughs> we, were, we were in it together.
1: <laughs> and there is one uh, goof up on that, which turned out it's a funny story. In episode uh, nine, uh, Jason sets up a punchline that's supposed to be answered in episode 10, and the punchline is, hey, coach, what's the sound that a British owl makes? That question is never resolved. In episode 10, we had a scene, which was um, kind of like a, a one It was a walk and talk of Ted and Beard walking to the stadium before the game. And we just didn't have time for it. We had to cut it. And that's where that's answered. And so Twitter went nuts. They're like, what does the sound does a British owl make? And I can reveal it, because the uh, at Ted Lasso answered it. It's whom, whom? <laughs> Oh, so Twitter. So we have, So when you don't have continuity in story arcs, you have twi- Twitter. Will save. That's you, right. Save
0: Twitter you. will. Uh, what other kind of collaboration <laughs> you guys are t- kind of talking about? How you needed to watch or you know warn somebody that something got cut. Um, what a collaboration did you guys do between the two of you to either keep continuity or whatever other things had to happen between your episodes?
1: It was more about style right Mel, and listening to music and getting a musical sense. You know, Mel really spent a lot of time on that opening pilot, which set the tone, I think for the pace of the show and how the music would be used. So I was uh, always coming in Mel's Bay and listening. We were always jamming great tunes down the hall. You know, The Who and The Stones and uh, The Kinks and uh, it was just so much just a British sound in, in the show. So I was listening to a lot uh, what Mel was doing and, and yeah, and we would just confer every day. Uh, and like, Hey, you know, the, I think the, the first couple of weeks, Mel and I were like, this isn't a comedy we're working on. You know, this is different. This is deeper. This is not just a sports comedy. So we were just talking with each other, like, how do we approach these scenes and, uh,
2: because, yeah, in and the beginning, we were kind of on our own a little bit. I'm getting in these scenes and, and I want to spend a little more time. The style didn't feel to me like a 30 rock or something where you were right, right on the joke. There was a lot of those awkward pauses and a lot of people figuring each other out. So you wanted that space. You know, Rebecca's trying to figure out Ted and... Nate's trying, to, everybody's trying to figure out Ted. I feel like Ted comes in and puts everybody on their back foot. And so it wasn't really like as fast as like, I think people thought like, Oh, Jason Sudeikis comedy would be. And even me coming in with the pilot. And I was like, I'm just going to keep going with this and hope that's the right way. And I think it it is. I think by episode three, we kind of, were like, okay, this is kind of gelling now. And we know we can be, you know, quick cutting when we need to, and then take a step back when we need to go to the more Absolutely, dramatic. That's it. Um, so we we found that rhythm together. But we also shared the football. There wasn't a ton of actual football scenes. And so it would be like, hey, we would need some sort of like, oh, do you have like a close-up of a kick or an audience shot? AJ's assistant would make me like a bin of football stuff that he, AJ wasn't using that maybe at the moment. And I was like, please let me know if this changes because then I could use, maybe steal a little something to bridge where I needed to oh, yeah. and vice versa. And steal you did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we have this character named Danny Rojas. The guy's like, football is life. He doesn't come until episode six, but he's a good mm-hmm. soccer player. And that's, that's what was amazing about the show is the actors actually were good athletes. Um, Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie, uh, is one shot where it, it, it's in a wide and he kicks this goal, which curves into the top of the net. And that, that's no visual effects that actually happened. So I was like, whoa, that's not a stunt. Um, There's a scene where Mel had to use in that opening soccer montage, which was when it ran how do we open the show? Of course, that went around and done a lot of cuts and uh, Mel was like, I'm just gonna take this shot of Danny, but she cropped it out, so it just his
2: feet. And I think we changed the color of his cleats too, right? I think. Oh, that's right, his cleats yeah, we were, And so. That's like,
1: right, because he had iconic cleats. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but
2: I needed it for what? Like, you know, less than a second almost, because it was a fast cut, mm-hmm. just a quick cut montage.
0: I have to correct you though, because it's not cleats.
2: Oh, it's not. It's uh, Boots. Yes. It's boots. It's boots. It's boots. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to keep the you know the lexicon correct. Oh man. Oh
1: boy, we're learning. That was I actually got a note that an actor accidentally said sides plural. It's offside, singular.
2: I think we're gonna get hit with that a lot because I you know like just seeing what the Twitter reaction is and, and it's super positive. But they in the pilot, Jason says win or lose, and the reporter says tie, and they nobody in London would say tie would be draw. And so I was like, we're going to really need to have like a British (laughs) consultant.
0: You were talking about, um, that idea that it's not super rapid patter constant. And one of the little tropes that I thought I detected a couple of times watching multiple episodes that I really liked it, as you said, Ted puts people on his, on their back foot and they're like, I don't quite get you. Right. And so there's, A couple of moments that I really loved and the one that I can think of, I think happens in the pilot where he asks the groundkeeper his name and the groundkeeper goes, well, nobody's ever asked me my name before. And then, of course, you would think that he would say his name, but he doesn't. And so everybody looks at each other (laughs) until he says his name.
2: Yeah, there's yeah a few of that. and, and, And then later in that same hallway, he's with Rebecca. And I was just thinking about this moment the other day of like little moments that I just loved that we were given the space to explore was when rebecca's talking about her ex-husband and they're they're in the hallway looking at the pictures and she's like okay well and she's trying to lead him in kind of for her first act of sabotage in front of the reporters but he stops and he says oh yeah you know i've heard about that how how are you doing and she stops and i i have like a you know cut to Ted, cut back to her and then cut to Ted, like where she's trying to figure him out. And, and it it just sets up kind of, I think, where we go with the whole season is just these two in the, in the dance that they play of like, you know, she kind of gets a little bit sucked in and then remembers like, you know, the husband, the ex-husband. And so I really love that we could just play those, those silent beats between them and the, the, the subtext of all that's there. It was just, um, delicious in that way, I guess, for me, mm-hmm. I loved, I love those little nonverbal I reactions.
1: Too. And that's what uh, Bill and Jason were really good at is about when do we, you know, really pace the comedy and then when we hang out in those long awkward pauses. And, and you're right, Ted is, uh, you know, he's, he's an, he's an optimist eternally, but he um, brings out the best in people and he, he's patient. He waits for it. Like, that's a great moment you brought up about waiting, asking his name. There's another one where in episode two, he turns to, to Sam, the, uh, the player from uh, Kenya, who's, you know, going through his own struggles. And he says, you know, Sam, you know, uh, what, what's the animal that, that has the, the shortest memory? It's a goldfish. And he just pauses and waits for that to land on Sam. He's like, you got it. Be a goldfish, Sam. And that, pause we worked on with, uh, with Bill and Jason, sometimes we'd, we'd always come back to that cut. And some days we'd be like, let's add three frames. Now let's take away four frames. Now put back six. And Bill and I are constantly watching that to make sure it, it, it felt right. Because those pauses are key where, where the character of Ted is you're watching the other people change because he gives them the space to, to have the confidence to be their best selves.
0: Yeah, I like there's another character thing between the two coaches, Beard and and Ted, where you know that they have this great long relationship and that they know each other really well. So a lot of times they just say something and then you just sit in them thinking about it. Or I love the fact that you in in those silences, you really see their friendship.
1: Absolutely. And that's real. That's that's Brendan and Jason. This show goes back to their improv days in Amsterdam. Uh, where they were playing FIFA soccer and thinking of the show, so yeah, that it's great to work with them and their their comedy really comes alive on screen.
0: Mel, we uh, uh, from from the beginning of the conversation, it sounds like you've worked with this producing team several times, mm-hmm. um, right? And then AJ, I was thinking, of looking at your IMDb, well, Brockmeyer, I thought there I mean, as much as those two shows are very different, I also see, you know, similarities between Brockmeyer and this.
1: Absolutely. And I I suspect that's maybe why I got hired for this show. Certainly uh, people were aware that Jason uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, we were cutting and he was, uh, you know, we were watching a lot of uh, sports, you know, showing a Friday night lights and and I think Jason brought up Brock Meyer and he's like, Oh, that's right. You worked on Brock Meyer. And so I am like, yeah, I know that one. Uh, We also watched, uh, Brendan sent uh, me over a link to uh, Sylvester Stallone's Escape to Victory, which is a great story from about POWs in World War II who use uh, a soccer game to escape uh, captivity, and it's a a great film. And we were watching that, and and I started to think about how we can get some ideas. But it was just, we were always thinking about other sports comedies that this show could be, but knowing that this show is not a sports comedy, that we're telling a different story, but certainly that language, uh, and we had to figure that out in, in episode 10 because we're showing you an entire game in about five minutes or so. So we had to think of a technique to keep showing you the scoreboard and the passage of time, but it's so that it felt continuous, but that we're moving quickly through a game. So, uh there are times where the show did have to be a sports comedy and then, but then it, 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 it gets different.
0: Um, Mel, were there any advantages to you having worked with the producing team as long as you had to know the shorthand or understand the pitfalls and the, and the, uh, you know, where the skeletons are? whatever.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I work really well with Bill. I kind of get his, he's kind of fast paced and he does things like, you know, your first couple rounds of notes will be on a script Um, Mm -hmm. so like you really have to, so for that, it was, you know, easy for me to know his whole process. And then knowing kind of the bill schedule, it's like, you just kind of get in the bill frame of mind and you know, you work when, when Bill's ready to work, you're working. Right. But like, he's also pretty laid back. So it's like, Oh, maybe tomorrow we'll do it. You know, that kind of thing. So it's like, you really kind of just get into the, okay, go with the flow kind of thing. So that Mm -hmm. I think doesn't. Helps me not get stressed out like, oh, maybe he doesn't like this or no, no, he's a super busy guy. I mean, he's doing lots of stuff like he's, you know, writing pilots, new pilots, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he's very involved in the script writing. So um, he's pulled in a lot of ways. So you just kind of um, get into that work frame of mind. But um, Bill is like funny and heart at the same time. And I think that's like the show had in spades. And so I think I knew I wasn't afraid of in the beginning with the pilot of like, oh, maybe this wasn't. I mean, I knew when I read the script, because you get to that end scene and there's that phone conversation Jason has with his wife and you're and and they scripted it in. They scripted it in the, the music cue at the end is a like piano tune. And they that was in the script when I got the pilot script. And they even said in the script, like, please listen to this song as you read (laughs) as you read it. And so I did. I did. I was like, okay, I put my headphones in and listen. And I was like, oh, this is very serious. And I actually went back and reread the pilot um, with that in mind of like "Hmm, we're going to get to the end and have a really real moment. And so, like, I don't think we can let the comedy get so broad or, you know, out there, kind of like the commercials for Ted Lasso. They didn't hint at any of that really serious stuff. It was joke, 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 joke. So I was like, switch brain. (laughs) Like, we're going to be a little bit real here. And it didn't scare me when I was getting the dailies in for that because I knew Bill knows funny and he knows how to land funny amongst drama. So I really just felt like, okay, I just really have to get these scenes in the, in the best shape possible. And even if it's a little bit long, Bill knows how to get time out of a scene like nobody's business. Like amazing. you think you have something cut tight, like Bill can get it. Like you're like, whoa, well that's yeah. Take out this, this bit, get that person across the room. Like he's a genius in the editing room in that way. It's cause he's a writer. I think that
1: that's what I loved. I mean, I had not worked with him before, but I loved Scrubs. And so he just gives notes on the script a lot. Uh, which to me shows that he is a writer and he is paying attention to what was written. And that's why I feel it's so important that our first cuts deliver the script that they're expecting. And then we can build from there. You know, but there's always so many tangents and improvs and versions. So we're keeping uh, you know, I, I would share with Mel like, look at my version spin for this episode. It's got, you know, this but not that, that but not this. And you know, there's so many ways it could go. So we would have that on standby. But you appreciate with Bill that he's a writer and you you deliver that script first, and then yes, he, you are not thinking about how you can make a cut, but because he's a writer and he can come in with a piece of ADR that can join two parts of a scene and, and move it along, um, it's really amazing. And also I, uh, I was impre- uh, pleased at how much he did come into the edit room on this, uh, Mel. I think you said that of your past shows, he was more in the cutting room with us on this than other projects, so it, it, that was great. And also, even in the dailies, we would see him joking around with Jason at the end of the take. Uh, So, yeah, he was he was very involved. And they had a a rapport that you could see that that carried through to the cutting room.
0: I'm assuming you guys were cutting in L.A. the whole time. Yeah, we
2: were in L.A. and then everybody else was in London.
1: Yes. Supervising producer Kip Kroger went over to London and he was our sort of link between the show and, uh, you know. He, he was our immediate boss in Post and Kip was great. And Kip, well, we, we cut all these pre-visual effects for all those soccer action scenes. Uh, Kip got us a bunch of um, uh, cartoon animatics, uh, pre to cut with. And then based on that, we were making changes to that. And then he went over to London and showed everybody and said, this is what we need to film. And in the most blinding, freezing cold British rainstorm, Kip, Kip was representing Post out there in the field, all wet.
2: Because oh, I think what we had like two days to record all of the soccer for the whole season. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then that stadium, and, that, and that's, uh, yeah. everything is everything's created. Fans. I mean, we have some like insert shots of fans, but when you have those big wide shots, like that's all mm-hmm. the effects. And mm-hmm. we just knew that was a great
1: great process.
2: Yeah, they didn't have a lot of time, and on that end, and also we were like, you know, this could get out of hand if we don't focused, right? Like it could get expensive. Yeah. Five was kind of like the first big episode with all mm-hmm. of that. And so it was really, I spent a lot of time on YouTube, like looking at uh, Kip and I and be like, oh, look, if we do this TV angle, when we're in like the bar, okay. then, you know, we don't have any of that crowd. And so we were trying to find ways to make it look very realistic to how it would appear and Mm -hmm. also like okay that's great that would not be a vfx shot they don't have to worry about that one as much for positioning and green screen and all that and yeah so it was funny with five when i first put it together i had like this very real you know footage for half the show and then we do this for a long time, because it was a long time before they shot, it was a mixed media art project where it was a mix of pre viz I found some stock shots and sometimes within plays like they kick the ball. And then I was like, well, this is a different team but it's doing what i needed to do and we would just put Mm -hmm. title cards over it so we'd have stock and then i was pulling stuff off of youtube and there was at one point somebody was like was that messy and i was like yeah i'm (laughs) just trying to like (laughs) get the beats down so so we could know what the story is and then also like give them something to look at so then the vfx was basing some of their previs off of like the youtube shots and Mm -hmm. uh but yeah we when my assistant and i first watched the editor's cut we i do this thing where we i get we get it all together and i'm like look come into my room and we're gonna watch it all warts and all and see what we need to do and we're watching along we're we're enjoying it enjoying it we get to that part and we were laughing so i was like i think this is the hardest i've laughed at anything because it was just so ridiculous the animats were hilarious the way they moved because it was just done quick and dirty and like the Ted Lasso character looked like out of a video game, like out of one of those racing video games. He had like uh-huh, aviators yeah. and a, like a wife beater yeah. shirt on. He just looked, when they put the name over the top of them so you knew like, Ted, Beard, yeah. and they didn't look anything yeah. like the characters. And we were laughing, I mean, I, I was like wiping away tears. You, I- you know,
1: editing-wise though, th- that Mel brought up something that about that TV angle. There There was, they wanted this to be realistic. And so soccer, Americans maybe haven't caught on to the game because they, you know, there's low scoring. They think it's boring. But one of the issues is at least when you watch baseball or, or NFL, there's more close closeups uh, because they, the, they know, like, you know, when um, they can get a close shot of a wide receiver, catching a ball and running because they can anticipate it in soccer is less anticipated. So it's always in that wide TV angle, just moving back and forth and they wanted to stick to that realism. So there was a, uh, uh, you know, initially when we cut the previs, we were using a lot of close-up angle and we were like, no, this isn't realistic. It wouldn't. So we had to back it off and do it in wide and then find a way to have a transition of some other shot to then go close in on the field in our own. So there was a TV world going on and a cinematic world happening in parallel. Um, so having that previs, uh, did help, and, and a lot of stuff was taken from YouTube uh, by the writers as well. There's a great trick play that happens in episode 10 that uh, was uh, uh, an homage to something that, that really happened on a corner kick, uh, you know, craziest plays in, in soccer. Uh.
0: I caught a, a race, a, a car racing movie, and there's a, there's a crash in the movie that's pretty pivotal and they couldn't afford, it was an indie, they couldn't afford to shoot the crash, but we had to make it. And so I used like four or five different scenes from YouTube that were even different sports. So it'd be like NASCAR and then they bump into each other. Next thing you know, it would be an F1 race car flipping over and you're like, but that's what we, you know, you just build it. So you're like, okay, this is the pace. And yeah, you're like in the end, you you know, okay, now when we animate it all, it'll, it'll make sense. Right. We'll be back in a moment with more of my interview with AJ Cataline and Melissa McCoy. Today's episode of the Art of the Cut podcast is brought to you by FilmTools.com. Since 1996, FilmTools has been Hollywood's one-stop shop for all things production and post. No matter your filmmaking needs, FilmTools has you covered when you need gear for your next shoot or edit. This week, Film Tools is offering Art of the Cut listeners 10% off thousands of products when shopping on FilmTools.com. All you have to do is enter code AOTC10 at checkout. That's AOTC10 at checkout to get 10% off your purchase on FilmTools.com. So whether you need a G-Tech hard drive or an Airy Sky panel, make sure to head over to FilmTools.com and check out with discount code AOTC10. To get ten percent off your next equipment purchase, and now back to my interview with Melissa McCoy and AJ Cataline. Um, I wanted to get back to something Mel talked about, which was um, that idea that this is not just a comedy. There are great touching moments, and I, watching that pilot, and when when we cut to that wide shot of him in his in his room for the first time, like as soon as I saw that wide shot, for some reason, I knew I knew something was up. Like I felt it. Can you talk about the, like, do you have a different approach to one of those dramatic scenes, either one of you, than than the comedy scenes? Do you have to, like, get out of your funny Ted Lasso headspace?
2: Yeah, and for me, it's, I, with with a scene like that, I was so, in. like, Jason is just phenomenal in that scene. Like, I couldn't get over how in it he was so I watched the dailies like so close I like could know every facial movement every like feeling like I really was like feeling what he was feeling in that moment and yeah I know for me a lot of times like especially in that scene uh at the end there we talked about when to go in I had I had a very wide it was also really hard to cut because it's like all him right I don't have anywhere I don't have another I have other angles but it wasn't like I could cut to another person right so it was kind of
0: Right. So it's a, it's a phone conversation. I I just want to interrupt for the people who haven't seen it. It's a phone conversation, but you do not see the other side. You don't see his wife talking in the script. Did you even get to hear, like, do you even know what she's saying? Because in the pilot, he's just listening and you hear nothing of the other side of the conversation. It's all with his face that, you know, what she's saying.
2: Right. And that's, that was like how it was scripted too. So in my mind, I was watching his face and I was thinking, what is she saying on the other, on the other side? Right. And I was trying to like time that out and of course we cut out some lines in there as well figuring out when to be wide and I had a medium and then I had an a b of two kind of close angles one shoulders and one head and Jason and I had this conversation he was like why because I was able to make a really clean cut to like cut out a few seconds and I was like and and also it was a great beat change and that was something I worked with um I was an assistant on the show called I Love Dick, which was um, Jill Soloway um, from Transparent. And she was big on beat changes. Like, I want to see the beat change. And there, so there's a part in the phone conversation where you, got, you know something's up. But then he says, I love you. And then there's like a silence. And he said, oh, that's what I am doing. I'm giving you your space. I felt like that was like... The moment where the photo, like the audience knows he kind of knows, like he's going into this conversation, trying to be upbeat and, um, and it gets just a little more serious there. And it's like, that's kind of why I chose to go into that tight. That's where I wanted to go to that tight was on that moment punctuated. And, and Jason was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's cut. There was like two lines that we were able to cut out and get right to that moment. And I was like, cause I feel like on the other uh, side of that conversation, she's saying this. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like we were able to make like even a neater kind of like back and forth to make the audience kind of know what was happening. Because there was like a few other like back and forth that they might have had. But we cut those out and then made that the beat change and the emotional turn in the scene. So, yeah, like things like that are things I think about when I'm cutting drama is like the emotional shifts in the scene and Mm -hmm. the... You know, the dynamics between if it's like a two character scene and I really, really think about whose scene it is or how these two are affecting each other. So I'm very big on watching the uh, reaction shots of the other person. Like I really spend a lot of time to see how how that conversation is affecting the other person. I spent a lot of time just watching the dailies and like trying to come up with the emotional beats of the scene. Like this line feels like this on on them. This is the perfect reaction to that. And then you know, and this is where they are emotionally. And um, and then there was a few scenes where I was really like tracking crying. <laughs> there was a scenes a lot of scenes where people were crying, and I was like, I was like, okay, like where's the line where the the tear would be the best and. Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff and i was i had to watch a lot of like amount of tears because sometimes they would cry a lot and so so i had like different variations because the actors were so great so i'd have some some takes like uh hannah who plays rebecca she would give me like just different shades right but you almost it was like enough of a shade where you're like well this is kind of you have to stay in this take with her right like this is her this is the vibe for this one she's contemplative this is the vibe for this take in and, and sometimes you could mix but for the most part I was like she just gave you enough dial that you were like okay let's stay in this and explore this for her journey in this conversation but yeah she she had a few where it was like okay not crying and she's stoic because that's kind of her character she's crying in this one which is also great but maybe not so much her character in this scene yet like we don't we want to save that crying for later when she's more emotionally changed. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I spent a a lot of time thinking about that and yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. I think a lot about the drama scenes. I love them so much.
0: Yeah. And that's something you guys could have even come back to right after you've seen the entire series episode is going, Oh, we played her too big in episode seven. She has to be at this point and not at episode five.
1: Yeah. The the show has a a lot of that hidden drama. Um, uh, Jason and, um, Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt were just on a recent podcast with Brene Brown where they talk about the the hidden themes of you know grief and shame and vulnerability in the show you know and Ted is coming to the the show with a lot of his own you know grief and shame as he's actively breaking up with his uh his wife he's he's going through a divorce and we see that in that uh, that phone call um that line where he says here well, I'm, I'm giving you that space that's why I came I'm giving you and that you know that line all, always hits me and yeah with Hannah Waddingham who who plays Rebecca it it is on her face because she also has she's coming into this to get at her ex-husband and so her story is very much about you know getting back at him but she realizes ultimately that she can't you know spill out her grief onto others on onto Ted and onto the team and she has to deal with it herself so there are those close-ups with Hannah where you you see that that performance and it is about like Mel says about pacing it, and um, in one o four, for example, that speech with her outside where she cries—that was that was beautifully well done. You know, Mel and I uh, collaborated on, on that episode, and and you know, pacing that so that uh, you know we're we're on Ted where we, we we see him reacting to her her speech, and then uh, it's all in her her tears and in her the moment. And there's a great moment in one o six where um, she's sitting with Sam, and Sam is encouraging her to come to the, sort of the seance later, where they uh, expunge the ghost that they think is, is uh, cursing the team, and he says, to, you know, but Miss Welton, it's your team too. We're on Hannah's face there, in, in, in a shot where you can see the the movement. Yeah, so it's about, I, I think, as Mel says, finding... You know those beats and 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 pacing it so that the the, the beats are, are hitting us in the right way and being aware of where where she, her arc is is later. You know and having those options you know, sometimes it, it works in the wide but but in the case of Hannah you can read that that emotion on her face her performance was just so powerful uh, and amazing to work with and I also think of episode nine that Mel did that that great montage where she walks down to finally come come clean and come true to Ted that that was really well edited. I think Patton Oswalt tweeted that that's her her Emmy moment right there.
2: <laughs> that was one of my favorite things about this was that the female characters of Ted Lasso were, she wasn't all bad, right? Like so many other shows would set her up and never give her any redeeming quality. She's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Early on, you know, you could just, you could get little moments of her humanity. And you also like in that scene in the pilot, when he's like, I heard about that. How are you doing? You see how, when she has a moment to be not her posh self, she's, she's struggling too. And I love that we can explore that. Like she's making all these mistakes because she's hurting so deeply and you can forgive her.
1: Ted has a great speech in episode eight, the dartboard speech, you know, where he, um, gives that line, you know, um, you know, be curious, not judgmental. He also reveals in there that, uh, for the first time, and he just kind of drops it in a dark game that his father, um, Died when he was young. Uh, we cut to a close-up of Hannah listening to that uh, speech, and you can see it in her eyes and her face that she's really empathizing. That Ted has a lot of pain in him that he's he's getting out with this journey, and she empathizes. And so it, it's those those moments uh, of finding that that perfect reaction. Uh, both for drama and for comedy
2: since you gave me a shout out then i have to give you the shout out for that speech in mm-hmm. episode eight of the dartboard speech which pat and tweeted was jason's emmy uh emmy wins so just that some like some people are saying that makes me so happy because i really feel like okay we did them justice because their performances really were you know sometimes you create a performance I didn't mm-hmm. feel that with this series at all. Like no, it was no. almost like it was there, there was too much. <laughs> like, Oh, was it, like, it was oh, like, I could do this or I could do that. And that's such a gift. I mean, it's such a gift that actors can yes, give you is. that. Yeah. And they all did. And Jason is
1: so, yeah, Jason is so intuitive working with him. You know, he's watching a lot of the performances with you. He's, he's, he's very tuned in to what the other actors are doing. He's, he's really almost like the, sort of the show's overarching director, um, even on set, you know, it feels that there's many scenes that he is directing. Jason is very intuitive to those reactions and I love doing reactions pulls of, like, well, we could put this here or the, that there, and then it becomes that puzzle of, of how we want this to the arc to kind of arc and build and then kind of uh, perhaps, you know, grace down toward the end of the scene. And, and uh, it, it's, it's great to have those options. Yeah, we're not, we're not, I don't feel that we're building at all. We may be shortening and therefore it's building, but, and it's sort of keeping the the performance fluid, but the, the cast is stellar on this show, yeah.
0: Did you guys just do, um, you know, Mel was one, three, five, seven, nine, and you were two, four, six, eight, ten?
1: Yes, absolutely, and then we got to collaborate on four, because we were finishing that show at home in the pandemic, and, uh, Mel kind of came in to help finish out a lot of episode four, but yes, it was, uh, Odds and evens, I guess we just, you know, they, they just let us figure that out. I mean, I knew Mel was working on the pilot. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll work on two. So whatever, you might as well work on three Yeah, on the we, they did
2: and give us kind of that kind of option in that the beginning because they cross-boarded. One was separate, two was separate, and then three and four shot we, together.
1: We could have flipped at one point. But then I kind of, something said, you know, I want to cut the finale. If Mel's going to cut the, the pilot. I just want to be part of that natural bookend. <laughs> So, uh, and I'm certainly glad that I got to cut the finale. That that was an absolute gem of an episode. Um, re- reviewers have said that the um, that ending uh, game sequence. Some one reviewer said it's one of the the funniest uh, athletic comedic set pieces in, in, in television comedy. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> he's really enjoying the Ted Lasso barbecue sauce there. Uh, but I, I, I appreciate that um, because yeah, the, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've gotten to the ending episode and I certainly don't want to spoil it for those who, who don't, but again, it's not, it doesn't end the way you think it's going to end. And there's a definite roller coaster there. And then when we got to add the music uh, to that, um, our music team was amazing. You know, working with Marcus Mumford uh, who was, was composing this and also Tom Howe and our uh, amazing music editor, Richard Brown when we when the music then comes in, it becomes like another character that's following these these beats that we've laid out, and you just feel the fields, and it's just a, quite a roller coaster.
0: I often have asked editors who've worked on very dark material, mm. you know, how do you do it? You know, how can you cut Saw three for you know twelve months? You guys are in the opposite. Like this is so many fans are saying this is the show twenty twenty needed, right? Like if there's any TV show that I just needed. It's Dead Lasso. You know, it must have been wonderful to be in this place for 10 months or however long it was for you guys.
2: For me, it's like this show couldn't have come at a better time. I, the summer before I booked this show, I went through chemo for lymphoma. And I actually found out I was cancer free after the pilot, but it was like life saving to me to be on this show of positivity and just working through a difficult time in your life and finding that you can still do the comedy, but still have very real things going on in your life. It very much mirrored kind of what was happening in my life. So in that way, it was a joy. But yeah, I've definitely had those. I worked on CSI for five years. (laughs) And I was like, if I have to work on another dismemberment, Seeing, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, I really like made a conscious effort to go to comedy after that because I knew, like, I just didn't want to be in that um, violent space all the time. So it, I'm so happy that I was able to click over and then have this positive, um, shining light of like, we're gonna win you over, even the you know the darkest critic, even in your own soul. You're just we're gonna win you over, and you're gonna come out better on the other side.
1: Oh, absolutely! And what a great crew we had. Um, my assistant Alex Sabo and uh, Mel's assistant Frankie Castro, Caitlin Hollenbeck, our post uh, supervisor. You know, it, we we really were a great crew, and it was so it was so interesting. Cause we had two polar opposite experiences. You know, being all together and getting to talk about you know the footage and what was um, what was resonating with us, and uh, and you know we were just saying lassoisms all around the office. Uh, you know, um, and, uh, and then to have to go off into our own worlds where we're all isolated, but still having that, that camaraderie and that, and that, and that connection. Uh, yeah, the, the, the show felt very, very perfect for, for the times. Absolutely. It was all, it it absolutely was a joy to cut.
0: It's awesome. Uh, any, any thoughts on the, the technical aspects of trying to go, uh, remote editing?
2: We did that so fast. I mean, I remember Kip coming in and saying, I, we should just have the drives ready, just in case.
0: Just get it ready, just in
2: case. Yeah, right? People
1: were like, "Are you sure you think?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And Kip was like, "No, I have a feeling we're gonna."
2: And that was like a Wednesday, and so our the our yeah. assistants, Frankie and Alex, they they got them. They got our episodes, like whatever. Yeah. I think we had a few locked. So I got five, maybe five, seven, and nine were yeah. on a drive for me, and. Then you had your episodes.
1: Yeah, but we realized quickly, like I would open up my sequences and see little things offline. I'm like, oh, of course, because it's because I stole that shot from Mel's episode. Oh, yeah,
2: so but, we were sending things So we offline. quickly
1: had to have them figure out, well, AJ needs this media from this show. And, and
2: AJ and I are both a little technically savvy, so we weren't like lost in the woods, <laughs> right? Absolutely. If somebody sent us a piece of media, you're like, okay, I know how to do this to yeah. get this online. So it was that, and then you know, it took a little bit figuring out the Zoom. We tried Zoom. We tried Evercast. Like I'd have some technical things on Evercast one day and we'd be like, oh, let's switch to Zoom. And so Mm -hmm. the producers were luckily pretty okay with that. They just were able to switch and be like, okay, if this works best for today, let's do it. Okay. Now I have to remember every day to send my sequence to my assistant. So she's got the up-to-date thing. And then if she did any sound work or whatever, I was like, just by... Can you get it to me by 8 a.m. tomorrow? Because, you know, she would work later. And I was like, if you can get it to me by 8 a.m. tomorrow so I can re-render, rebuild titles, and then send me any sound you added. So, like, I was having to try to remember to keep us on the same page so nothing got overwrote or, like, she knew what sequence was the most up-to-date sequence. That was the thing that was the biggest because we we weren't, like, tunneling into an avatar, which I know a lot of people are talking about now. The at-home thing is more like you tunnel into a avid somewhere that's hooked to a Unity. So then your assistant can be. So it's basically like you're in an office. You're just at home, but you're you're tunneling in, and that no, we we were on islands. Yeah, yeah, we were on hard. We were just our own hard drive. So you really had to like, oh, I can't just walk away at the end of the day. I have to like be very mindful of what sequences who's working with what, so no changes got undone or that kind of stuff. So that was like a little stressful. Um, So the idea of going forward, I hope that we could for season two, do the tunnel in and do that. Just from a daily standpoint, that would be a nightmare, I I think.
1: I mean, it it was funny, but we were ahead of the curve because I remember going to Warner Brothers to get my things because I had a sense, I don't think we're going to be coming back here. And I also wanted to, I asked if it was okay if I could borrow a pair of speakers because I just, you know, the show just had to mix correctly. So I said, you know, hopefully the studio won't mind me borrowing these speakers. I had permission, but I got there and it, it was like a, a fire sale at the lot. Like all these editors were like loading Pro Tools systems into the back of their cars and people were monitors and uh, desk chairs and and the security usually is guarding the lot. is just watching this happening and I'm, laughing thinking yeah this is you know editors this is what we do we we make it work we have to you know move forward and i, I think the the hardest part was the internet you know the you know warner brothers studios that we should spend you know decades building this fiber fast network suddenly finds the whole studio is hitching a ride on home residential internet speeds but we you know we made that work and i know i had to have uh the internet guys out to the house a couple times i'm sure melded too uh, because we were running the the spotting sessions from our home which were going over to london and, and you know we had 12 people sometimes on those sessions and so it was uh but yeah that, that's just having that that closeness as a crew uh, early on you know built that that camaraderie and understanding so that when we were dropped this this bomb of a you know a covid pandemic crisis we I think we segued uh, quickly to be able to work at home. And it, and it's a different editing experience, uh, you know, because usually, you know, you're, you're in a room and there's some distance between you and the producer, you know, and you're on the couch and, you know, here you're just, you know, there's this constant eye contact back and forth watching. And, and so that it builds a, a closer, you know, relationship, I think, with the people you're working with. And you're really, you know, you're, you're much more zoned in. So the transitioning virtually was uh, eye opening.
0: I've been asking this lately and I kind of, I like this as a question, which is, okay, I'm going to come on to season two with the two of you. What are some of the things that you would tell me, Hey, you got to stay away from this. We, this is something we do. We don't do, I don't know, prelapse, whatever it is. What are some of the things that you would tell a new editor joining you on the show?
1: I think, I think keep an open mind, uh, you know, very much, uh, to see, you know, all the possibilities. Uh, uh, I think, you know, you you start from a place to build the show, and then, you know, keep all those versions and all those options and those quirky, uh, you know, looks. You know, uh, you know, at the ready because they will come back to 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 save you later. Uh, that would be one thing that immediately comes to mind.
2: Yeah, I was going to on that note. Yeah, I I definitely had a bin of because they would do. They'd have the joke as scripted and then they would have alt jokes, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes it would just say and I would see that Jason like look over and be like, wait, what was that other joke? Like he would look through they they had written them down, right? And sometimes we went scripted and sometimes we went mm-hmm. alt joke. So I would anytime they had a run like that, I would just dupe my sequence and refigure for whatever the joke was, right? So there was one where Beard and Nate are telling him like are about to tell him like i think we need the bench roy but Jay, before they can tell him jason's like well so this looks like you guys are going to do some improv improv comedy and there was just like 12 things of of his like suggestions for their improv comedy so um but we ended up <clears throat> an alt was in for a really long time and then jason was like what was the scripted line and we ended up going back to what was the scripted uh-huh. line was was like i just think that's better so you know you have to be open to and I just like having those alt bins at the ready. So you can just go click, 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 which one, yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah, by yeah. the time you're finishing stuff, you're kind of running low on time.
0: When you did uh, editor uh, an assembly or an editor's cut, did you always go with the scripted?
2: I always went with I well, well, I, what so made bad. me laugh. I would be like, this made me really laugh. So I would put that unless I could tell it was something like in the day, like if I see in the dailies, like they really – worked to get this joke right like then I'd be like this is the one that I want to see and because they did like three or four takes with this one and then they just did one alt but unless the alt really made me laugh then I would sometimes try to put that foot forward
1: and and I think Jason and Bill appreciate that I think they you know yes keep an open mind but also have trust in your instincts Uh, you know as an editor when you're reacting to this material for the first time you know usually that that first reaction is where the comedic gold is or or the you know, the dramatic inspiration. And so it was um, encouraging. And I think Mel got these notes too about, you know, Jason and Bill would say, you know, go back to the way you had it in the director's cut, you know, which is is largely what the editor's cut is. Uh, Cause you know, we're working with the the director remotely. So there's that sense that the way you had that timing or the way you uh, selected that moment, that, that instinct was correct. And, uh, you know, we may have tried it another way, but Uh, oftentimes we would circle back to the way it it, it was so yeah so keep an open mind but have have faith and trust that that you're you're probably going to nail some things uh right away because you're going to feel it and when you feel it that strongly it's it's sometimes and hopefully correct choice
2: and i would say also have a reason for why you're cutting the way Mm -hmm. you you cut because jason yes absolutely jason loves
1: to ask that question yeah so why did you do
2: this like and yes. um, if you had a great reason, sometimes you'd be like, oh, okay, okay, keep it how it is. And then sometimes if he was like, well, I think this, you know, then it was a discussion, but it was always just from a place of work, like basically like Ted Lasso, like Jason's like that when you work with him sort of thing. Like he's very open to your ideas and yes. he also has very specific ideas as well. So it was very uh, collaborative.
1: To that note, I just want to throw out that I think this project was my, my sense is this is Jason's most involvement editorially. Uh, on the projects that he's been involved in. He, you know, has been a, a writer, uh, producer, actor, but he he was very involved in the editing. And I think he really appreciated the, you know, the power of, you know, nonlinear editing and the tricks that the Gavit could do. Um, he would love to joke that, you know, we, had, we, we were able to do movie magic, you know, using fluid morphs to pull up, you know, pausing, to, to get the pacing, you know, perfect. And uh, he was very impressed with the visual effects that we could do even temporary. So uh, yeah, and so he has a, he has a very much of uh, an appreciation for that and the power of editing and, and how things, the performance can change. And uh, yes, he was always asking like, you know, what, what options, you know, what, what can we do here?
0: Thank you both so much for joining me. It's an
1: honor to share with the Art of the Cut listeners. I love your blog. It's always so insightful to the process of what editors do in editing, so thank you.
2: It's been a great joy to go through it with everybody. <laughs>
0: That's it for Art of the Cut this week. Thanks for listening. Also, check out provideocoalition.com for nearly 300 interviews with the world's top editors. Or read the book, Art of the Cut, Conversations with Film and TV Editors for a topic-driven, curated experience. Thanks again to my guests, AJ Cataline and Melissa McCoy. If this is a podcast that you got something out of, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at Steve Hallfish. I hope you subscribe to this podcast and give it a review, please. And finally, Be sure to share them with a filmmaking or film loving friend.